and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. The theme for this year at church is Rebuild. Our work is given to us by God. We are required to steward it wisely and to be a blessing at our workplace. We are also asked to serve as unto God Himself. Today, Pastor Geshom shares on how God is in the process of rebuilding our fields. Hi Church, it's such a joy and a privilege to be bringing God's Word to you. Even as we um, get into God's Word, I would ask that God would open our hearts, that we'll be able to see God's Word in uh, His lens and that it will change us, it will transform us. Even as we started this entire uh, series from the start of this year called Rebuild, God's been working in and through us and uh, we saw how we have to rebuild our foundations. Oftentimes, our foundations uh, have been in misplaced things and uh, it's in, in misplaced understanding of who God is. And we went on to see how we have to rebuild our altars of worship. We oftentimes have uh, erected certain other things in our lives which have uh, got our entire attention. We saw how we have to redirect it back to God and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Then we last week, we saw that uh, how we have to rebuild our boundaries and how we have to uh, safeguard our boundaries. Today, we are going to see how we can rebuild our fields. It's an important area of our lives. It's in fact important because um, as long as we are awake in a day, we spend on an average 8 to 10, sometimes 12 hours uh, in our respective fields, uh, you know, plowing it, working hard, you know, and uh, that kind of like is our bread and butter. And so we give it so much importance we uh, work towards it. We equip ourselves for it. And God wants us to have a better understanding uh, so that we don't actually uh, give so much importance that we actually leave God out of the mix. And in the entirety of this uh, sermon, I would want us to focus that uh, the work that we do, the work that God's placed us, the jobs that we have, is not something separate we can't uh, uh, separate it away and say, you know, God's not part of it. But we need to understand that God is in it. In Christianity, there's this uh, holy divide, we call it. We call it uh, the sacred and the secular. But today, I want us to look at the entire thing as sacred. Because if God is in us, and if we are going out into our fields to work, God is present there. A few weeks back, we saw Jesus plus nothing is equal to everything. And that's important that that everything, whatever we do, whatever, wherever we are at, if Jesus is in us, it becomes sacred. And with that thought in mind, I want to go back into that verse we saw start of the year from First Peter and read that verse. Can we look to it? It goes on to say, uh, welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives up to God. Even as we read this verse, construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. God has to come into every area, especially in our area of our work. A lot of us exclude God out of it. And in fact, we become, we put on another lens completely and we are competitive. We are, you know, that's where we strive so hard. That's why we struggle to actually uh, do what God has called us to do in our places of work or be the person who called God has called us to be. 
you know, we uh, struggle to show kindness. We struggle to look past people's comments and the way they have dealt with us and the harsh things that they have said. But if Jesus is with us and if we say that Jesus plus nothing is equal to everything, we need to take God into our area of work so that he will be glorified. The verse which I would like for us to meditate over this entire sermon is from Colossians chapter 3. And can we look into that? It goes on to say from verse 22 onwards, Servants in everything, obey those who are your masters on earth, not only with external services as those who merely please people, but with sincerity of heart because of your fear of the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul, that is, Put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. It goes on to say, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. For he who does wrong will be punished for his wrongdoing. And with God there is no partiality, no special treatment based on a person's position in life. Verse 23 says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. When God wants to rebuild our fields, he's wanting us to change our attitude. He want, he's wanting us to change the way we see work. Oftentimes we are working uh, for our earthly bosses. We are working towards uh, getting that appraisal. We are working towards getting that promotion. We are working towards getting that raise. If that's just a benchmark, we kind of like miss out on so many other things. Well, whatever you're called to do, work as if you're working to me. And let's not kid ourselves. The journey that we undertake with regard to our work is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uh, sometimes burdensome with the people that we get to work with. And remember, people are tough uh, to deal with around us. And that's why when I say we, when we bring God into the mix, God starts working things. When we say, God, you know what, irrespective of what people say, irrespective of, you know, what my circumstances is here, if people look down on me, I will still give my best as if I'm doing it to you. And that is important. I don't know how many of you actually realize um, that, you know, we oftentimes look at work like uh, we think uh, reading the scriptures, we kind of like, you know, uh, joke around saying, you know, if Adam did not sin, if Eve did not take that fruit, you know, maybe our work would have been pleasurable. Some of us think, you know what, I think God doesn't work. He just like, you know, with the word of his mouth, he just says everything. But I want to bring, uh, take you to the scripture in Genesis chapter 2 and it uh, highlights where God actually from all his days of working took a day of rest. And it's interesting to read that entire uh, verse over there. It says in Genesis chapter 2 uh, verses uh, 2 to 3 onwards, it says, And by the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done and he rested, seized on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it as his own, that is, set it apart as holy from the other days, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and done. Even as um, we just saw that God created everything, he worked, he created us in his image. And so um, we as human beings today, we work. And what happened in the garden was when we sinned, sin came. And with sin coming in, uh, God gave us the curse uh, over mankind saying that you will have to strive, you will have to work hard. And 
time and again you know what happens is we are not satisfied with the work that we do we we strive hard and eventually what happens is we uh, become so uh, we are so proud of what we do we think it's all because of our own self and there's no god in it completely till jesus came and he said you know what the minute the curse of sin was broken and when we get a clear understanding of who god is and when we start seeing it through the lens uh, which god's created we see that work is supposed to be pleasurable and when we do it unto god god has bigger rewards in place it may not be materialistically but we soon understand that we uh, just don't work but we soon migrate into this um, or we get we move into this position of becoming stewards of what he's giving us and uh, there's a christian uh, financier who goes on to say like this his name is howard dayton and he says the bible in itself apart from love and other key words that are being spoken about a lot across the bible with related to work and with related to possessions in fact with related to money and possessions it's mentioned close to 2350 times and i was surprised reading this and it got me thinking that oftentimes the mindset that we have in the fields of work that we uh, are actually striving at and working we have a wrong understanding of what work is most of the time and that's why god kind of like is emphasized time and again with regard to money with regard to positions as to what our stand has to be if we are followers of christ and today we are going to look into that and uh, even as we look into that my honest prayer is that god will work in and through us so even as we step into seeing uh, what is it this rebuilding our fields look like the first thing i would like to highlight is the field is not our identity how many of you can agree that the field oftentimes the field the work that we do is ha- is and was our identity i'm a big uh, i would actually have to raise my hands you know probably both my hands and say that's been my identity and oftentimes i think we're living in a culture where we kind of elevate what we do and we want to be known as uh, with regard to what we do you know if let's not kid ourselves let's all go to our instagram profiles and let's see what we've actually written there you know what uh, what do we actually want to tell the world of who we are and oftentimes that's the biggest conflict with jesus in us are we satisfied knowing that we are his child and we are children of god or are we elevating our work today are we elevating our work to say that god uh, my work is what defines me i would like to uh, read a passage from first john chapter 3 and it goes on to say look with wonder at the depth of the father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us he has called us and made us his very own beloved children the reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him as you read through the book of john and as you read through the different uh, letters of john you'll see that uh, john had this unique understanding of jesus he saw firsthand the relationship between god the father and god the son he saw how god the father who actually sent his son into this world to save mankind and the obedience that he had was translated uh, by Jesus just doing whatever he had to do and what was planned earlier to come to lay down his life he was resurrected it that entire obedience was seen by man so john time and again in his epistle keeps reflecting on the fact that you know god loved us so much 
lot of us know the verse in John 3:16 for God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son there's that uh, he exemplifies God's love so time and again in his letters and it's important for us to understand that we are loved God loves us and we are his children and that has to be our identity i'm reminded if i to ask my kids uh, who's geshom to you this is going to say that he's my father or he's daddy to me they are not going to say oh you know uh, he designs or he edits video they are not going to say what i do but they going to uh, they are going to identify by who i am i am their father to them and so today is our identity in our field or is it in our work if god had to remove that completely will we be comfortable knowing in who god has created us to be we are all his children i love time and again and i love being reminded that we are created in the image of god which means there's no one who's uh, anyone in this world who's beneath us or who's above us all of us are created equal yes status and uh, the amount of money that we have uh, the different um, uh, the countries that we are born by we might be different by the way we speak the way we dress the way we eat but we are all created in the image of god and so today it whatever work you are doing can we be reminded that our identity has to be knowing that we are children of god this is beautiful story uh, i would encourage all of you when you get time to read through the entire book of daniel in fact it goes on to say how daniel could see so much of visions because god kind of like wanted to just pour out everything onto him he was he was so secure in who he was so daniel is taken captive and even as he goes he's uh, clear in who god has called him to be he doesn't go around pleasing men he doesn't go around changing the values that were instilled in him to live the godly life he didn't go around you know testing waters no he was confident in who he was called he stood his ground and he saw god come through and i'm going to read from daniel chapter 6 this is when he's actually seen kings change kingdoms change but he's been elevated from uh, every kingdom that has come and conquered has kept him and has actually uh, put him on a higher position from where he was uh, earlier so reading from daniel 6 it pleased darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them one of whom was daniel the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss now daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent finally these men said we will never find any basis for charges against this man daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his god what a testimony until unless it has anything to do with the law of his god and so today even as i read earlier from colossians let's do it unto god daniel did everything that he did unto god it says he was negligent what he did he excelled at what was given to him he did, uh, he did with all his heart he showed up wherever he had to show and they couldn't point fingers at him there was no loophole so today his identity 
was so secure in the God that he worshipped. Today we all worship Jesus. Jesus is the true and living God. If we say that he is God over our lives, people are going to see Jesus more than the work that we do. And I've, I've, it's a testimony in my life itself. I've been to so many places where I had to work. And oftentimes the questions that I get asked around uh, coffee uh, breaks is the fact that there's something different about you. There's something different about you. They want to know something. It's either the joy that we have. It's either the fact that uh, the way we are doing life in itself with regard to our family and how we are doing it. Or it could be just the fact that how are you so secure or how are you so uh, comfortable with what you're doing at this point of life. And that will be a testimony in itself. And so today, let's ask God to rebuild the areas of our work. That it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't be our identity. Our identity would be God. Just imagine the weight that gets lifted from us. That our identity is already secure in Jesus. I'm not defined by what I'm doing. I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, I'll do it well. But that doesn't define me. And so are we willing to ask God to rebuild our areas of work so that that wouldn't become our identity? The second thing is, um, when we ask God to rebuild our fields, he also wants us to understand the field is not a sustenance. How many of you, uh, honestly, if I have to ask, you know, as a husband, as a father, uh, money is important. But how many times have we actually looked and made decisions and, you know, uh, planned certain things based on um, our monthly salary that comes in or the paycheck that we get or what our bank balance tells? God wants to rework that. He wants to rework to tell us the fact that, you know what, the field that you are working on is not your sustenance. I am the God of the harvest. You know, uh, it's interesting when uh, Israel is in this journey in the wilderness, he is their provider. They grumbled for food and God provided. They were not okay being vegetarians, then they grumbled for meat and God gave them meat. And it got me thinking, God, why do I always come to you the last when it comes to asking you for anything? Why don't I come to you the first? Why do I try working my way around, trying to see where can I get that better deal? Where can I, what can I do? What can I, how can I work my way through so I can get that extra money? Why can't I just come to you so that you can guide me to what has to be done? It's because we have a misplaced understanding of God when it comes to money. We somehow think because money uh, has a certain value, has uh, the capacity to do certain things, we think money is very important. But God wants to rework that equation to say, Jesus plus nothing is equal to everything. He wants us to understand that money is not everything. In fact, money is nothing when it comes to God's equation. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It goes on to say, How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. My finances, what we earn, can never become our God. Jesus alone is our God. And so when we have that understanding, we'll soon understand that Money 
is not our master it's a tool uh money is something that you know we uh we use in fact if we make money our master as it says here you can't serve two masters you can't uh have jesus as your master and money as your master money has to be a tool and if for some of us who are in this journey if we or if we've been uh, having money as our master all this while that you will realize that there are certain decisions that you've taken based uh, on that you know you'll you'll uh, you'll be running from uh, post to post making sure payments are made making sure this is done making sure that is done because that is your master it kind of like governs you but when you serve jesus alone when you allow jesus to be the master of your life you will soon realize money is a tool and god will give you wisdom from above when you ask of how to handle money and how to use money it uh, it's interesting right before this jesus actually meets uh, with a, a rich young ruler it says and we're going to read that passage because uh, that's going to open our eyes to see as to how uh, important uh, jesus being our master is we are reading from matthew chapter 6 verse 16 onwards it says then a teenager approached jesus and bowed before him saying wonderful teacher is there a good work i have to do to obtain eternal life jesus answered why do you call me wonderful god alone is wonderful and why would you ask what good work you need to do keep the commandments and you will enter into the life of god which ones he asked jesus said don't murder don't commit adultery don't steal don't lie honor your father and mother and love those around you as you love yourself but he goes on to say but i've always obeyed every one of them without fail the young man replied what else do i lack jesus said to him if you really want to be perfect go immediately and sell everything you own give all your money to the poor and your treasure will be transferred into heaven then come back and follow me for the rest of your life when the young man heard these words he walked away angry for he was extremely wealthy even as we were reading this it says a young teenager and i was just uh, i've just underlined there saying as a millennial which includes all of us like how do we view wealth or how do we view money when it comes uh when it comes to choosing between jesus and money is is it jesus plus money or is it jesus alone because if it's jesus alone we'll soon understand you know what um Uh, i can't work my way or i can't buy my way into eternal life i'll have to go through the only way that is jesus and here it's interesting this guy comes and he says what should i do he thought if he does something he will be able to uh, uh get eternal life or he'll be able to do everything that god's asked him to do in this earth jesus said no your heart is governed the very the very first few commandments that moses had given wealth had become his god and for many of us that is an idol and it's interesting uh when we uh when we are governed by money we kind of like have all these ways in which we are like you know what we need to save more we have to do this we have to protect it we have to safeguard it we have to do all of this to make sure we are okay but if jesus is the master you'll soon realize it's he who gives it it's he who multiplies it it's he who takes care of everything around us he is the one who sustains us through and through it's interesting that in this world we won't take anything with us when we die there's nothing that we can take and so how do we view uh, money in the light of this is to understand that jesus 
has to be our only master. We cannot replace. And so when uh, when God is rebuilding our fields, let's remember that God is the one who provides. Even as I talk about this, I do know that this is a very touchy topic for a lot of us. You know, we don't uh, like being told, you know what, that money is our master. But let's allow Jesus to come in. Let's allow Jesus to say, God, please redirect any other things that I've altered and I've like made room instead of you. Please change it, Lord Jesus, so that I'll be able to make you the master and listen to what you have to say. Healthy habits come only when we are intentional about it. Even as I said about uh, God being the source of our income, of our of the money that we have, let us uh, open our hearts today and say, God, if there's any misplaced affection I've had towards money and made money bigger than you, I'm sorry, Lord. John C. Maxwell goes on to say like this, when it comes to money, you can't win. If you focus on making it, you're materialistic. If you try to but don't make any, you're a loser. If you make a lot and keep it, you're a miser. If you make it and spend it, you're a spendthrift. If you don't care about making it, you're unambitious. If you make a lot and still have it, when you die, you're a fool for trying to take it with you. The only way to really win with money is to hold it loosely and be generous with it to accomplish things of value. So even as we read, let's make Jesus our master. Let's hold on to Jesus so tightly that we'll be able to hang on loose with the resources that God's placed. And we we'll in turn will become generous so that we'll be able to do all that God's called us to do. And I strongly um, would ask all of us that let's ask Jesus to be our master. Because in, in this world, we, we have expenditures, we have payments, we have bills to pay, we have people to take care of, we have extended family to take care of. We have so many things. And in all that, we need wisdom. In all that, we need discernment. For those of us who have start, wanting to start the habit of saving and wanting to save something for the future, bring God into that. He'll take you, he'll lead you, he'll show you what to do. And when you hang loose to it, he'll direct you to what has to be done. So even before we conclude, I want to read this quote by Charles Spurgeon, which goes on to say, To a man who lives unto God, nothing is secular, everything is sacred, puts on his workday garment and it is a vestment to him. He sits down to his meal and it's a sacrament. He goes forth to his labor and therein exercises the office of the priesthood. His breath is incense and his life a sacrifice. He sleeps on the bosom of God and lives and moves in the divine presence. The Lord had cleansed your houses. He has cleansed your bedchambers, your tables, your shops. He has made the bells upon your horses holiness to the Lord. He has made the common pots and pans of your kitchens to be as bowls before the altar. If you know what you are and living according to your high calling. You housemaids, you cooks, you nurses, you plowmen, you housewives, you traders, you sailors, you labor is holy if you serve the Lord Christ in it by living unto him as you ought to live. The sacred has absorbed the secular. Even as I just read this, this last line, the sacred has absorbed the secular. Can that be our prayer today? The sacred has absorbed the secular, which means everything that we do, 
whoever we talk to, whatever we do, is sacred. I love how he um, has given no room. He's involved everyone, every uh, kind of uh, cadre of society. He's taken into consideration. Everything that we do is sacred. And as we rebuild our fields today, and I want to point out that most of the times, a lot of us have made wrong choices. A lot of us are probably uh, are stuck in something and, and we might not have enough. But can we take time to invite Jesus into the mix? Because when Jesus is our master, when we say, Jesus, you are our God and we want everything to become sacred, everything turns. In fact, when we look at our work, we won't find our identity in our work. We won't find a sustenance in our work. So church, even as we close, I would love to pray and ask that Jesus would be the master with regard to our work and that we'll grow into having a healthy understanding of what money is. Can we pray? Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, even as each of us have just listened to your word, Lord, I pray it will start working in our spirits. And I pray that, Lord, we'll be able to put into action, Lord, before that, we ask for repentance, Lord Jesus. At any point, if we've run after money, Lord Jesus, that's the source. We ask for forgiveness right now. And we say, Lord, we break down every idol. We break down every dependency. We break down every form of hold that it has. And we say, Jesus, you take control. You be the Lord, God, and Savior of our lives. I pray that you will be the master. You will be the master that we serve, Lord Jesus. I pray that, Lord, we'll be able to, you'll give us the strength, the capacity to work well, to excel, to do everything that's right, Lord, even as we read from Daniel's life. That, Lord, if there's any fault that they find, that they'll only find with it comes to you, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, that we'll be able to stand the test of time and prove, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you are true, you are our living God, Lord. I pray that, Lord, our workplaces will be so different when we start seeing in this lens, Lord Jesus. I pray especially right now for those who are, Lord, struggling in this area of finances, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, we will see a breakthrough happen when we commit everything to you, Lord Jesus. When we make you Lord and master of everything, that, Lord, we'll see a change happen, that we'll be able to give up and we'll be able to hold on to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Be the strength, be our portion, and, Lord, be the person who speaks in times uh, when we are alone, Lord Jesus, what to do and what not to do, Lord that we'll take comfort in your word and that, Lord, we'll be dependent on you, Lord. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.